0: Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas with your host, Ryan Ray and
1: Josh Today's Shelton. Podcast. This is episode 150. We're halfway there to 200. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, episode 150 in the books, man. We're uh, We're about to this this would be a pretty big milestone here for us. I mean, we're close to two hundred. Um, would we'll
0: be. I mean, typically half
1: half uh, one fifty times two is three hundred.
0: So when you say halfway there, I mean, I know I know what you mean, but you know, typically multiple of two is, well, is
1: three hundred. So right, well, I'm, times I'm two. taking the hundred <laughs> out, and we're going to two hundred. So we're, we're doing Texas math today. <laughs> <bro>. <laughs> oh boy, Texas oil and <laughs> math podcast. No doubt. Well, Ryan, um, it's been a, it's been an interesting week. Lots lots going on. We've seen oil prices go up. We've seen meetings happening. We've seen a, uh, a meeting with Trump Friday. Lots going on. But uh, some of the most world shattering news is we had a review that uh, don't know if it fits in roast month. Yeah, or, it's hard
0: to tell. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's a mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely definitely an interesting uh, interesting review. So uh, why don't we uh, why don't we jump into that and uh, and then. This thing
0: yeah, uh, so I, I think this is Coy Dean, Texas, C-O-Y-D-E-A-N-T-X. Now, this is during roast month, so it's hard to tell. Now, it also says he expects better information. Obviously, they haven't listened to the show for very long because the information quality on here is very is, has been consistently low. We have set the bar low for a long period of time. So I'm sorry that you were led to believe that the, the, the quality of information was better at one point, but that, that aside. Now, this came through on April 3rd, so take that for what it will. These are slow coming in sometimes. I have listened to the last two episodes thinking you would report on activities of energy companies pertaining to drilling, exploration, and production. I am somewhat disappointed. I'd like to offer the following suggestions. One, cut out the first 10 to 20 minutes of useless complaining and whining. It doesn't provide me with useful information. Two, there is good news out there. Find it and report it. Three, here is an idea to explore. Oil company stock buybacks. ExxonMobil has spent $100 billion buying back their stock since 2011. Why? Cheap credit and executives managing their, comp- their compensation plans. Now they have stock that is down 50% and loaded with debt. And who suffers ultimately? Employees and vendors. Four, I will listen one more time and make a decision if it's worth my time. I spent a lot of time thinking about this review, Josh. And I went and looked up Exxon. Did you know that since 2011, Exxon has spent $100 billion buying back their own stock? Do you know why, Josh? Tell me cheap why, credit and executives managing their compensation plans. Now they have stock that is down 50% and in with debt. Do you know who, who suffers ultimately? Employees
1: and vendors.
0: Yes. Wow. Look at that. Look at that. So um so there you go. There's your Exxon stock analysis of the day. Hope that was useful to um um uh, Mr. Mrs. Whoever Coy dean texas is and um i gotta feel that like three stars will go down to a one star but you know <laughs> it's roast mud so it could be a, a very slick roast and we're we're taking it just so you know, whatever um a bit more seriously <laughs> yeah so i don't know i mean listen you know the show is what it is we try to do our best if you don't like it we're, we're, we're sorry if you want to talk about exxon stock buybacks then you know uh
1: and, you know, well you know for here. most of our listeners that's probably as uh as useless to them as the first 10 to 20 minutes of the show is to him so uh yeah.
0: well the the whole show is useless i mean that's the <laughs> that's that's never been that's never been in debate i don't think has it
1: i don't know man we've been directing international affairs for some years now well that is um, true that is yeah. true so trump's a big
0: listener and uh OPEC's a big listener and so uh Anyways, but we will get into some hard-hitting analysis if he gets past the first. What is that? We've been recording for three minutes. So, if he he, he or she or whoever it is can make it past the first three minutes, we will get into some hard-hitting analysis on the Texas Will Gas podcast.
1: Well, Ron, uh, there's been been a couple of things that have come out. Obviously, uh, the industry is being – and I think pieces are moving around. It's been restructured, reshaped. Uh, so there's an article that came out, MRT, that coronavirus will reshape the oil industry. And so uh, there's been talks about the U.S. joining OPEC in some form or fashion. Uh, there's been talk about, um, you know, the, the, the phrase that's thrown around that the U.S. oil production is going to be managed or decreased. And some of these things are just uh, people talk about this, but they're not really clear on what they mean by it. So all of this is causing uh, some some different governmental oversight to be looked at. And we're going to look at, uh, you know, flaring and things are going to be coming up here here pretty soon. The question that I have is, what do you think about some of the restructuring that's going on in the industry? The government's looking for some handouts. There was, a you know, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve that they were looking at, you know, storing some oil. Um, joining OPEC, all these things are being talked about. Um, I'm just not sure that we completely understand what that would look like, say in 12 months.
0: Yeah, well, the SPR deal, you know, unless they come back around and get it, it's gone. So, you know, Trump said he was going to buy the uh, what was it? Uh, I can't remember how, how he put the numbers now, but whatever it was in the budget that they recently passed, that's gone. So. That won't be happening unless it comes back around. And as for the other stuff, you know, if you if you followed what was it last Thursday, Trump said he talked to OPEC, uh not OPEC, but the Saudis and the Russians. And so oh, yeah, see here, look at my timeline here. Yeah, it was Thursday. So oil went from, you know, trading around twenty dollars to uh this is WTI prices to you know peaked at twenty eight on Friday. And, and of course, it's kind of come back down to twenty five, and now it's at well, well, let's see here. Yeah, it's twenty six right now, twenty six. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of talk about what's going on, but you're, you're right. The the market is shifting in dynamic ways, and, and it's a little bit like uh, it's a little bit presumptuous to to think that we can we can you know, project what's going to happen in three months, six months. You know, is the the um, the pandemic. Going to keep the, the United States shut down for two more weeks, two more months. You know, th- those are obviously var, uh, vastly different outcomes. And so, um, there's a lot of call for regulation right now. And you know, I think the Railroad Commission is meeting on the 14th of this month to talk, talk about maybe you know capping it, or, you know, production or, or whatever. So you start getting into that. And you say, okay, well, they're in cap production. You know, they they had to go through and determining it. You know, then they're going to you know spread it out. I guess equity amongst all of the producers. Um, but you know, if you're a producer. And this is something that I just don't, you know, I haven't, I don't, don't, I'm not, uh, you know, um, schooled up enough to know, but you know, I'm just wondering questions like this, you know, if you're a producer, you know, and you're sitting there, you know, going to produce a drill well, maybe you're you're thinking, okay, I'm going to drill a well here and here in July or whatever, but you know, will that impact how you make your decision? If there is a regulatory agency now that's passing that out or can everyone drill, obviously everyone can't drill at the same time they want to. So, those are the kind of questions that I would just like to see, you know, kind of fleshed out how that's going to work stuff out practically if they do go this way. Um, but the, the reality is, is that until the, until the, the demand goes up, there is just, there's, no, there's not a lot that can happen. You can continue to cut production, obviously, but there's just not a lot of demand for oil globally speaking. And so, um, what, what is it that you're going to, you're going to see happen is, you can continue to cut, um, but until planes start getting back in the air and cars on the road and life returns to normal, you can't do too much because we have a glut of supply. If the supply was low, you know, and we were starting to fill it up, it might be differently. But the supply is high; it's getting higher. And until the world comes back, you're just not going to see that supply dented. So, I think there's, like you're saying, there's a lot of talk about what could happen and what's going on, um, but you know, what's the actual impact short term? it's hard to see the price getting back above 50 in the next couple of months because um the amount of oil that had to come off the market you know like today basically and how quickly we had to get the, the global economy started back up
1: so the uh the next article kind of jumps right in with uh, some of this talk between the saudis russia and the us and what they're what they're seeing uh kind of the conversation that's happening is with all of this falling demand, Russia and the Saudis agree that stability would be preferable. But the Saudis are demanding that the U.S. shoulder some of the burden. One of the questions I have is how would the United States shoulder some of the burden? Like, how could they do that with our anti- antitrust laws and all that? How would they go about doing that? Would they, would they set production guidelines um, by state where the state as a whole can't produce more than that? And how would they? How would they? implement that with all the different companies because we're not right. These other countries are, or the, the, the oil companies are government run. So it's much easier to regulate for us. It, it's just hard to see how that plays itself out. I just don't understand how we can limit production here without violating our own antitrust laws. I just don't, I don't see how we can do it.
0: Yeah. Well, we've seen some interesting things from the, from the feds here recently, you know, with Trump enacting the, um, the defense, I can't remember what it's called the Defense Act or whatever it's called, um, to, to push companies to make the mask and, and things like that. I don't know and this is where you get into the kind of interesting territory. Is there a way that, you know, Trump could come in with some kind of federal regulation like that and and, and push oil and gas companies to do things under a certain guideline that, you know, was you know kind of a wartime guideline, if you will? Mm. I don't I don't know the answer to that question, obviously. Um you could handle it by states, you know, state by state. Obviously, you you've seen, you know, Ryan sitting out there talking to, um, you know, he's going to talk to OPEC or whatever that means. Um, so you could see, you know, Texas reduce the amount of you know, production, like we did, we just talked about. Then you had New Mexico, so you could, yeah, I guess you'd have to see it like this. You know, the feds could put in some kind of, um, you know, some kind of regulation on the BLM. so either stop the permitting process or, you know, really slow it down. So that would slow down production. Um, you know, they could also, and I, I think Sergio wrote an article about this, I don't know if it was the BLM or who it was, but one of these publicly owned, uh, land groups, uh, Texas, the state of Texas, anyways, they were saying essentially that you could hold your permit, you know, you get your permit to drill, you can hold it for longer, you can shut your well in, I think is what it was, um, you know, so you don't, so you, you kind of incentivize them to slow it down some. So you could see regulations that would change the regulatory process, um, that could put producers, in a safer spot to hold their acreage, um, for longer. And I don't know all the intricacies of how that works, but that's the, you know, more or less that's kind of the, the simple, the simple things. Um, and then I saw there was talk about shutting down offshore because of, uh, you know, coronavirus outbreak on some of the rigs. I don't know how bad the, uh, the virus is on the rigs or if it's just talk or, or whatever. So those would be kind of some major overarching things you could see the feds do to try to curtail, um, production. Uh, so that that would be kind of an, an easy thing. Um, I say easy thing. I don't know how easy. That's something that they could do. And then the states, um, you know, like the Railroad Commission here could, you know, again, put some kind of production quota or whatever the verbiage is for the state of Texas to, to lower the output. So those would be kind of the, the, the short and fast steps. Again, though, the question is going to be, you know, at what point do the feds open it back up? And then, you know, how do we determine that? Um, you know, it's going to, it's going to, that's going to benefit some companies more than others. And that's kind of the thing that gets flattened out in this argument is if you want to go with that model you say, okay, well, we're going to, um, we're going to flatten out this thing and, and you know, and just kind of make it very simple. This is regulations and people got to c- comply with them. It's going to help some more than others. And the ones that are barking about it the most, you know, mainly, uh, you know, in the, the stories that we're talking about pioneer and parts that you're probably going to be helped the most. So, um, it is gonna you know it's, it's gonna probably hurt some small guys and help some small guys so but for me and this is the the thing that that's kind of hard to 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 sit back and to figure out is um, you know you, you could make the argument it's better to save the many than it is the few and I think that would be kind of the argument that the the regulatory um the pro regulation argument would be made. The problem is is that Okay, well, you might save the many over the, uh, you might say the few over the many, or however that saying goes. You might save more jobs by by enacting regulation now, but um, what does that do six months from now or a year from now? And and so, um, I I haven't heard anyone address in depth the the concept of consolidation. As far as jobs go, long term. So, if you consolidate a bunch of these companies through you know, bankruptcies and M and A's you and know, all the various things that are out there, what does that look like? Because we're talking about a lot of jobs going out, out of the market, and we we all agree that's bad. But is it better to have these these jobs go away, um, and then you have a, a mass consolidation of um, you know of the smaller companies bought up by the beer companies, and then? You're you're a little bit more uh, a little bit more resistant to to the whims of the market, I would think. And so, do you do you actually create long term more stable jobs at that point? So you might lose some jobs now, which is terrible. It's not good. It sucks. We all agree with that. But in the long run, you actually create more stable jobs because we do. We one thing we do know is that the 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 market. You know, we've been in the show for three and a half years now. Uh, we're, we're, we're four or five years from our last downturn, so the market's pretty volatile. Would lowering the companies naturally through the market actually help stabilize it long-term to give, um, and I'm putting more people in air quotes because it wouldn't be the total more, but it'd be a, a consistent, more, more people with jobs longer. And that's, that's kind of the debate that doesn't get, uh, the side of the coin that doesn't get talked about enough, I think.
1: Well, there was a, uh, there was a meeting with Trump and some oil executives on Friday. Um, don't have a lot to come in here. I, I did a couple of searches and didn't find, um, Kind of the the results of that meeting.
0: I, I did um, see he offered to give him a, a COVID-19 test.
1: <laughs> I bet he did. I
0: well, it was it funny because the reporter was, like, mad about it, said that he was offering to give him a COVID test, and yet the reporters literally report every day on how bad and how dangerous the COVID is. It's like, well, wait. Like, I, I'm old enough to remember when they were asking the president if he got tested. Like, I'm old enough to remember that. I don't know if you guys, you young pups, remember that, but I'm old enough to remember – when they were like, "Mr. President, have you been tested for COVID nineteen? Will you be tested?" Breaking. Trump won't be tested. You know that was. God, let's see here. That was all the way back in March of 2020. You know that's a long time ago. And so it's just, it's just funny that he. And I don't know if he actually got him tested or not. But it's just funny that <laughs> they have all these White House meetings. The reporters show up. They're always asking about testing, and then Trump offers a test of guys. And I get it. The rich billionaires. I get. I get the. I get the. The frustration there. But it's just. It's just funny. It's like, we well, want everybody tested or not. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I, I'm not getting tested just for the record. I, no. I, I will not getting tested at the moment. So I will uh, wait till I'm on the ventilator. before they test me.
1: Yeah. I'm not wearing a mask either. Uh, there's a, there's a comment that, but, Ham we are made. social
0: distancing right now on the podcast. We yeah. are sitting we're away. we're yeah, very we're distant Zoom. from each Zoom. other. Very distant from each other. It's um, way distant from us, but you know, Josh and I are, at least a mile away. So we're 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 uh we're practicing social safe social distancing and everyone else should as well. Don't don't sue me.
1: Yeah, we we can't we, we take we take donations, not lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Harold Ham, he's reiterating kind of what was in the news last week, um the week before last actually, that he thought um tariffs should be put on Saudi and Russian crude. Uh, but other other than that, we don't really know exactly what went down in the meeting. Um, I was hoping maybe Spigner was at the meeting and was given some inside <laughs> scoop, but uh, it didn't didn't quite work out that way. So um, I, I will be I will be uh, doing some searches this week. It should be coming out since it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday is the weekend. It's probably going to come out sometime today. But we're recording at ten central, so mm. um, I I don't know if anything did come. And if out, it came but,
0: out, who do we blame? Stephanie, the intern. So if it came out over the weekend,
1: you know, yeah, Stephanie, the intern. Her it. we, it's her that fault that we record this early. You know, she's. Uh,
0: well, she had all day Saturday and Sunday to go find something. So she could have found something, but she didn't. So blame Stephanie, the intern.
1: Uh, another article, Parsley Pioneer. Had- and, and hold on,
0: hold on, Josh. Hold on, Josh. That goes back to that, 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 that three-star review we got. Um, the, the person should realize that we only talk about what Stephanie, the intern, sends us. We have no control. We have Nate, the producer, and Steffi the intern that run this show we're just we're just beautiful faces here that's all we are and you we see just you show up treating us here stephanie yeah it, we just throwing sh- us under the bus josh and i had to show up and uh just just donate our good looks and uh faces for radio uh to this podcast every week that's all we're here for we we, we don't we have nothing to do with what happens behind the scenes incisive logic you know, yeah
1: working things out you know that's
0: so blame stephanie blame nate that's, the, that's your producer and your uh, your intern who pulls the articles. So there you go.
1: Well, he asked for good news. The good news is Parsley and Pioneer are asking the RRC for market demand hearing. So if you work at Parsley and Pioneer, this is fantastic news. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't, um, it's kind of like that Exxon stock. <laughs> So a uh, letter, uh, letter to a railroad commission, um, Wayne Christian and, and commissioners Christy Craddock and Ryan Sitton, the two companies asked agency to determine the reasonable market demand for oil, whether wasteful production is either occurring or is reasonably imminent. So they're looking at the waste. Um, we've all, we we kind of covered this pretty extensively last week. Um, they're really not concerned with waste. They're concerned with taking market share the way the Saudis are taking market share from us right now. Uh, they're just they're just doing that. Uh, they're just looking for an opportunity to um, get a leg up, and uh, you know they've they've gotten their their act together with the with the flaring, and now they can they want the government to impose some regulations to make it easier but, for them. Right,
0: to. right. And so let, let's let's kind of go back to the original um, the original listener's point, and this is something that we've been talking about here, and, and something that you know um, I was talking to someone last week, and they said, "Do you think that the oil field is coming together right now?" I said, and "I said no." Um, I think everyone's divided, and I, I think part of the thing, and that 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 we've said on this show, and I would say to this reviewer who is, I guess, frustrated, disappointed, or whatever, part of the thing that that that, that Josh, at least I am for sure, is trying to make sure that, listen, the times are tough, but I believe you want to be consistent on what you think until you realize what you think is proven wrong. So. My, my view on the market hasn't changed. And my view on how markets should run have not changed. Therefore, I'm not going to change my stance on what should happen when it sucks because the market sucks. And a lot of people right now that, that I would see that consider themselves conservative or Republican. Have abandoned all the principles that go along with historic conservatism mm-hmm. or historic uh, historic conservatism republicanism. If you go back before nineteen, you know most of our listeners are kind of our age or younger. Um, if you go back to the early Conservative Party, what most of the stuff they're talking about today, they they would they would scoff at and say it's terrible. It's it's you know it's it's authoritarian and all this stuff. So we will eventually be done with this this whole thing. Coronavirus will go away. The price war with the Saudis and Russians will go away, and the price will come back. Those are all facts. Those will all happen. If it's six months, if it's a year, I don't know. If it's two years, I don't know. Um, are there things that we could do to artificially imprate, inflate the price sooner? Yes, there are, there are things. The government right now is sending out stimulus checks so people can pay their bills. Just to be clear, they're 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 printing. They're ain't really printing it, but they're they're creating fake money so you can pay a bill. And I'm not saying you shouldn't take the check. Just to be honest, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that at all. Take the money. They're going to take it from you regardless of what you do. So take the money. But let's just call it what it is. There, there's no real money, and they're giving it to you. So there's fake money that they're giving to you. Um. So I, it's not my position that, the, that there's not things that the government cannot do to inflate prices or to put in air quotes fix problems. My contention is is that there's nothing that the government can do to actually fix the problem, and I would simply point to all of these things. If these things are so great and grand, um, you know, why are we not doing them all the time? That's that's just the simple reality. And I'm not talking about. You could say, well, why does a business not do the same thing all the time? Okay, well, okay, right. Sometimes it's better to be doing this than this because of you know seasonal demand or whatever. Um, the government invokes regulation or takes away regulation. the The, the question that I have to ask is. If, if these regulations that they're either invoking or rolling away, um, why, why is it now that we think that's the time to do it? And you might say, well, it's a, it's a, it's a time of crisis. It's like, well, okay, right. But, you know, it's like uh, Governor Abbott the other day said, well, we can deliver alcohol uh, via car. What's the rule? If you order a meal or something like that now? That, is that how it goes? I can't remember what it is. And he was all giving himself an attaboy. It's like, well, well, hold on. Either that's an important law that we really need or it's not. So either we should not be driving Uber cars or Uber Eats or whatever it is, or however the, 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 the thing works, and delivering alcohol to people's homes with a meal, or we should. But the coronavirus has really nothing to do with that. And if you want to say that the coronavirus is so bad in Texas that we need to change that law, it probably wasn't a good law to begin with. So when you put that framework over all these conversations around the oil market, um, part of the the, the the thing there is is if it's good and if you want to make the argument is good for the texas railroad commission to consistently legislate how much oil production the state of texas should have that's a position that you should make no matter what the price is that the, that the railroad commission could consistently be reviewing and analyzing and doing that and to say that they are is not true because they just they haven't um they could put it they can say that they are but they're really not so i'm not I don't think they should have. I don't think they should now. I, dis- I disagree with Blackman or Spietner or folks like that who think they should. Um, but I-, I think, Josh, what we're seeing here is we talk about Trump and what Trump's going to do with the Saudis. Trump did give the Saudis and the Russians an out. He did call and say, hey, guys, you know, please stop. And it probably is a little bit more than please stop. Maybe a little quid pro quo going on there <laughs> or a little bit threatening or, or whatever happened. Um, but let's be real. That's not putting a paycheck in my wallet. That's not putting a paycheck in your wallet or Nate's wallet. That's not putting a paycheck there, right? We work for oil and gas companies, and these oil and gas companies had to make smart decisions. And the best way they can make smart decisions is, is understanding the market fundamentals, which are jacked up right now. They are jacked up because everyone's shutting down. And they're shutting down. Why are they shut down, Josh? They're shutting down because of the coronavirus and the government's back up shut down. So if you have the coronavirus shutting down and then you, on top of it, start changing regulations, either to decrease production or, or whatever, um, that also sends uncertainty potentially to, to these companies. Finally, well, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, go
1: ahead. I was about to say that it, it's, um, it's artificial. Uh, so one of the, one of the problems with the government stepping in and doing these things is that it's going to be artificial for a time and it may give some relief now but then, reality is, is going to set in reality is, is always going to come roaring back and, and force the market to take care of these things. And, and that's going to be the concern. Like you said, we need, uh, longer, uh, longer job life. Uh, these downturns happening every four years and, and all these layoffs happening. It, it's, there needs to be a, a, a longer shelf life for these jobs. Um, I mean, it, it, the people that I talk to in industry, they've been to three, four, five downturns and, and they're getting, it seems, closer together. And if the market is not is not allowed to take you know, take care of these things, we're just going to see the same thing replay itself sooner rather than later. If, if um, you know, I, I just I'm, I'm not sure if if the government steps in and does some of these regulations, if it's actually going to help the three year um
0: Right, well, that's what I was going to say. That's that's exactly what I was getting at. So let's say that let's say that the market's uncertain because of the of the shutdowns that's happening globally, but then they try to stabilize it by you know stopping drilling or all those things I mentioned a minute ago. The Fed could do. So they they, they do that and you go, okay, well that helps stabilize things. Well, that helps stabilize things while the market's shutting down. Then as the market comes back up, it doesn't necessarily stabilize it at that point. It might actually cause more harm. Also, let's say there's a coronavirus outbreak in the fall uh, or the spring next year. If you're a if you're an EP company and those regulations are rolled back, which is unlikely, but let's say they're rolled, let's say they have a sunset of in the year. So, in the year, you're like, okay, the Feds are rolling back all these regulations. Man, we're going to get it in 2021. The price is up. This is great. And all of a sudden, here comes coronavirus news. Coronavirus news. Coronavirus news. Well, hold on. Are the Feds going to shut down this thing again? Because I, I I planned on drilling all this. And so you, you see. So it's not only the market uncertainty that the, that the business the business has to deal with when the regulatory uh, uncertainty comes in there, it, it causes problems. And so, listen, I'm happy to have someone on who wants to talk about it and discuss it. It's just I I just want to be clear from my perspective, my views haven't changed, and so I don't want to act like they they have changed because the situation is bad. Um, the situation is the same as far as I'm concerned. It it's, it sucks and. Like I put on Facebook the other day when uh, on LinkedIn the other day when, when Chesapeake was out there trying to ruin the, the the gas market uh a few years back was it you know, ten years ago now, whatever it was. When they were out there buying acreage up and trying to put everybody out of business, and I put in, in air quotes, they were you know trying to dominate the market. We was cashing them checks, son. Huh? We was cashing them checks, and we was not once, not once calling for regulation to keep Chesapeake from doing what they was doing. Uh we was cashing them checks. And so, um And and if it happened again today, what I'd do, I'd go cash. I'd go cash some checks. So,
1: yeah, I think I think um, the the thing that I would be worried about is when when the oil price does go up, and it is. I mean, if you listen to Anas uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, things that are happening right now are going to lead to a uh, a a price spike uh, next year, based on everything that we're looking at. When that happens you want companies that have the freedom to go in and produce, um, and, and build us build a strong business. And if if things are regulated, then the government's going to pick and choose who can produce, how much they can produce. Um, I mean, that we don't want that. I I don't want that. I I don't want the the government being able to pick which companies are able to produce out in Texas because these are in with the politicians or whatever. Mm. Um, I just, I don't trust that at all. Um, and that may be the path that we're going down and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay with big companies like um, overproducing and putting all these other companies out of business and them taking control as long as it's not something where their government is artificially picking and choosing who can produce and how much. That, that, that doesn't sit with me very well. Um,
0: well, and, and, we're, and, and we're okay with it not from the standpoint of we're wanting people to lose their jobs. We're okay with it in the sense of we believe in the free market. Yeah. Right. So it's not like yeah. we're like, Hey, yeah, they put us out of business and that's, but, but it's, there is, it's the, th- the theory of the free market is, is that if they can do it, then that's just, that's just part of it. So, um, you know, anyways, so yes, I, I agree. And you know, that's kind of what we said from day one of this show.
1: So, uh, let's see, we can have article. Trump vows us energy sector will come back as he sees Russia, Saudi oil agreement. Um, you know, valves. we'll see how we'll see how it goes i'm i'm really not sure i'm really not sure how that's going to play out honestly um i'm i'm eager to see uh, i was i was excited seeing oil go up this week just like everybody else but um i'm, I'm kind of waiting I, i'm i'm hopeful i think that um that if if they were to slow production that it would definitely help the market because right now they're they're pumping with oil demand going down and their production is just steadily climbing. So, uh, I think they were supposed to up it by 3 million in May. So they're supposed they were planning to up production next month. Uh, OPEC was so,
0: yeah, but the, so for the listeners, you know, we're recording this on Monday, April 6th, the, the, the OPEC plus meeting is supposed to be on Thursday, the, what's it? The ninth. Um, I think, I don't know if they rescheduled or not. So some of the stuff we're talking about by the time you listen to this, there might be new news that's out there, but, uh, which could change a lot of this um i don't know if the saudis and the russians can actually cut enough to really matter right now but it could help you know three four five, six, eight months from now so
1: all right last article before we get into the roundup this is from our good friend sergio who uh two things he haven't get a, he haven't, hasn't given us a capital and gas update in like three and a half years wait wait whoa whoa whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. i got i gotta defend sergio here I gotta defend Sergio here. I I think he did think do a Sergio. cap not listen, listen. Listen, listen. We'll it's not you know we'll for it. me to defend Sergio for me to defend Sergio, it's uh it's yeah, it's a bad day. Um I think he did do a Cabot one and Stephanie the intern just omitted it, which is fine. I mean, you know, she's you know, she's very talented. Um, let's see here. He puts out like four hundred articles a day, so it's hard to Hard to find all of his stuff, but yeah, I'm pretty sure Sergio put out uh, uh, a cabinet update. I can't even, I can't find it. But I'll go ahead. I'll, I'll look for it while you're talking, Josh. I'm pretty sure because he he told me he was working on one. I think or he'd seen something about. it. I think he said he did one. But uh, I'll I'll look it up while you're going through that. And and this is the part of the show where the positive news that's out there, Josh goes through. It. So there you go.
1: Well, so, um, so Sergio, he, uh, he put out an article kind of reiterating some of the Parsley, uh, pioneer meeting and, it, uh, just talks about the urgent need to cut oil flow. Uh, and so he had, he had some, you know, some comments and, uh, some reporting on it. Um, so I was thinking that we might want to, we might want to reach out to him. I, we're supposed to be doing a hedging thing, uh, a hedging yeah, article. I, I said it this morning. Oh, you sent it to me?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, man. Now, see, you can't blame Stephen, your Nate there. Nate, you got it, didn't you? Uh,
1: I haven't seen wow. it. Wow. 43, 9, Wow, 943, 943
0: wow. man. No wonder the listener's giving us a three-star rating. With Quen- wow, it's right there in the chat, fellas. Man, no wonder we're getting three-star reviews. It's we're
1: usually very professional no yeah. we're not no. yeah this this coronavirus is just throwing our uh, our workflows well off. let's
0: go through this this is what the listener uh Coy, Coy dean texas wanted so let's let's get him his hard-hit news and analysis on the um on the hedging and i'll walk it through here this is from sergio Chapa because uh, i do read everything sergio puts out and i found the cabinet article as well so um i'll link i'll send it to nate to link the show notes so this is from Sergio, April 1st. And if you've been listening to this podcast, I think you knew that this was probably coming out. So, survey independent oil companies hold strong hedging profiles. Um, this is also matched with a piece that we have from uh, the Midland paper as well. Operators stand to lose hedging protection at year end. Essentially, if you go through the piece here, the highest hedging companies are. Um, uh let's see here you have one two three four companies Aredo, Lone Star, Parsley to name a few that are above 90% hedge through the end of 2021. Um Hess, Pioneer, SM Energy are all above 80 and then you have Northern Oil and Gas, Virginia, QEP they're all at 74 and then you have three he notes that have no hedging at all Centennial, Continental and Magnolia. So those are some companies, if you are looking for, you know, who does have production hedges for the rest of the year, you know, th- those are some to to follow to see, you know, what kind of hedges they have and, you know, how that plays out. And you counter that, Josh, with uh, the piece from MRT, uh, and that's from um, Mela McEwen. And one of the things that, that is pointed out in this piece is, is you know, which uh, makes a lot of sense, obviously, but if you don't think about mm-hmm. it is you could be hedged to the end of the year, but it doesn't mean that you're hedged next year, obviously. Right. And the problem with hedging next year is next year's hedges are based upon kind of this year prices, next year predictions, which I haven't looked at the futures. Um, But, you know, if you sit there, go, what are the prices a year out from now or or the estimated prices for the hedges and, you know, um, it's probably not where, you know, probably going to be lower rather than, rather than, um, rather than higher. So you sit there and go, okay, well, if you are a company like Parsley, uh, Laredo, Lone Star, you might be in a good spot for the rest of this year. If you're sitting their heads around fifty, assuming you can make money at fifty, but you're going to lose less, right? You're going to lose less than if your money was at twenty. Um, you can tie, you can cut your you can cut your capex. But I think if you kind of look at these two pieces, and they'll both be in the show notes. You know, it's and we've already seen this start. Some you're going to see these companies tighten down the belt. You know, and then the question is going to be: Is third quarter this year roughly? Is will they hedge into 2021? And I, you yeah, I think we're too far out. You know, right now we're we're in Q2 now, but I think we're too far out where this crazy market is to understand if you're going to see companies hedge in 2021 or not. Because the my my guess, this is the guess right now on April whatever I said it was April 6th, is that you're going to see not a lot of hedges unless the price really jolts between now and then. Because I think companies are going to are going to try to plan on uh, the price going up through twenty twenty one, but um, they may I don't know we'll see There's a long way to go. But um, but anyways, so yeah, so there is a list of companies. We'll include that in the show notes of the hedges, who's hedged, what percentage. At least it's not all of them. It's um, and then we'll also include the article from um, um the Midland Paper uh, that I talk about it's kind of the the, the, the it's not it's not a follow-up story but it talks about hey uh this is what's going to happen when the hedges are over so two interesting pieces there Uh, but yes sergio did get it out so we had to give him an attaboy attaboy sergio there it is attaboy
1: all right now for the roundup uh so we've already talked about oil prices soaring uh despite trump's disputed claims of oil production cuts um so there's been some disputes out there and that's kind of this this article we're going to link in the show notes just mention some uh, some more of the disputed side of what Trump is uh, claiming is gonna happen. China buys millions of barrels of discounted oil for reserves. So we're, I mean, you know, me and Ryan have talked about this. Uh, we're expecting China to really start pumping money into their market. Um, it's gonna be good for the energy economy and really for everyone. Uh, the more that they get their economy back up and roaring, the better it will be for for all of us. Mm-hmm.
0: For two, two reasons, re- right? Two reasons. One, we, I saw someone, someone talk about China's winning because they're getting the oil for cheap. It's like, well, would you rather no one buy the oil? Like, I don't yeah.
1: know. What, 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 what do you somewhere. want to happen?
0: Yeah. So, A, China buying the oil cheap, let's is, just is kind of work out the economics here. China buys the oil for cheap, which means they can make you know, cheap gas and cheap uh, refined products, which means it's quicker to stimulate the economy with cheaper products than it is more expensive products. So, China buying large quantities of sheeple and they might sell it back to the market or you know, they, they can do whatever they want to, but if they are going to use it for refined products in their country, um, it helps their country get back on its feet quicker because their consumers can buy refined products for cheaper. So let's not get mad at China for a buying our product and then B you, if they're going to use it now, they, if they hoard it, then I can understand the frustration, but they're probably gonna use it to refine their product because to your point, yeah, I think they're going to do everything in their power to get their economy going. The second, so that's the first point. The second point is, is if China is successful at restarting their country, I think that will give hope to other countries around the world that, Hey, if China can do it, we can do it. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is a good time to uh, kind of follow what happens in China and go, okay, well, you know what, they got things going again. If they can do it, we can do it. And you know, it's kind of the, the, you know, our country is, you know, can outdo your country and, you know, that nationalistic pride and all that stuff. Now it's kind of a good time to kind of look towards that because, um, if China falters, I think that you will see potential problems globally going, oh my gosh, the headlines will read China could not rebound from the coronavirus, right? And that's mm-hmm. going to put more fear into the global economy. So uh, I think we all should be cheering on China right now saying, hey, they're, you know, whatever you want to believe about their their numbers and their reporting, they're claiming they're past it. So let's hope that they can come out and kind of get this thing turned around because that will give every other nation the ability to look at China and say, China came out of it. They went full bore after it was over, and they've 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 never looked back. So that's kind of the two things to to follow with the China story.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and uh, just just to kind of piggyback on that comment. If they go buy a lot of if they go buy lots of oil for cheap, that also lowers the supply. Uh, mm. so just basic economics. That's that's good. That's good for us right now. You know, we're gonna get as much of the supply bought as possible. Schlumberger executives take pay cuts as North American workforce is slashed. So um, the the executives at Schlumberger, are, uh, they're doing their part. They're they're going in and, and taking taking the hit. Uh, this article came out on March the 31st. Um, I heard there were some subsidiaries of Schlumberger that were possibly going for sale. So um, don't have much to report on with that yet, but they're taking a 20% pay cut beginning Wednesday. So that would have been I think last Wednesday. Mm. Operators stand to lose hedging protection at year's end. So this is a kind of connected with, uh, with Sergio uh, and what you said, Ron, which I agree with. We're probably not going to see uh, hedges next year. If prices continue where they're at, Um, hopefully we'll see prices go up before then and people can establish some hedges so we can have kind of some stability. Mm -hmm. But right now, that's not looking too promising. Report uh, crude oil sales below $6 per barrel in some parts of the Permian Basin. This is nasty. Uh, so they were so selling between 548 and $723. Uh, this is the WTL Midland. Uh, it's a light, sweet crude. Um, so while, um, while oil was 25 per barrel, the, the Midland oil was selling for pretty cheap. Uh, So uh, I just saw this article that came out and it it was interesting, interesting uh, take on things. Hopefully that improves very soon. New state coalition to examine flaring methane emissions. Yeah. Many, much of this we've already covered um, already. And then uh, opinion, how did Oxy's bosses get paid a bonus? (laughs) This, (laughs) this was a, I wish we had speaking on to talk about this article, <laughs> Ryan. This would be this would be a lot of fun. He should come on the show one day. So uh, they they talk about uh, Vicky Holub and the Anadarko acquisition by Oxy, and uh, and they also talk about um, the fact that she got paid a bonus, um, even though the stocks and things took a took a major hit. So it's an well, interesting article.
0: Didn't she? And so this is the thing. I I got to go back and kind of look at piece all this together because. Didn't she also take a a big pay cut as well and wasn't that yeah. was part of the bonus or I wouldn't, I never was really clear on um how all of that went down it's it's kind of like okay uh those those corporate those corporate deals they <laughs> yeah they, you know, they'll uh let's see here, here here it is hence the headline total compensation uh yeah, I think she went down as well. But anyways, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, these these big corporations and, you know, their bonuses and, and how they do stuff is is always interesting. And, uh, you, you know, the, the other thing is, will we hear anything from old Carl? Will Carl be quiet now that he's got his board seats? Oh, you have he's to, done.
1: He's done. <laughs> he's turning <laughs> the deuces. He's casting <laughs> checks, bro.
0: <laughs> I mean, you have to think that. He can't be too critical now because he's got the board seats. I don't know if those are already in, in fact, uh, or, or if they're getting uh, still placed, but whatever those are all field, he can't be too, uh, too critical because you know, he has what, three board seats now. So uh, be careful what you wish for, I suppose.
1: All right. So uh, we're going to end this thing off on some really good news. TC Energy to build Keystone XL Pipeline. This is a pipeline that runs from Canada to Nebraska and it will move on to refineries in illinois and along the gulf coast this is plans to invest eight billion so tc is putting eight billion on the crude oil pipeline project and uh and so this is this pipeline is 1210 mile pipeline will move eight hundred and thirty thousand barrels of heavy crude oil per day from canada or alberta to nebraska so that is uh there's a piece of good news there. So, uh, hope, hope to see that go, go well. And I hope the, hope all companies will fill that line up and, um, I hope, hope it goes well for all parties involved.
0: Yeah. And I guess the final thing, Josh, is let's just kind of recap this on kind of why we've handled the show to seriously address the, we had fun at the, at the reviewers expense earlier, but kind of seriously address why we've handled things the way we have. Um, when the, if we go back a few weeks in history here, the news broke on Friday that the Russians were going to increase production. And then by Saturday, the Saudis, um, you know, kind of started the price war, if you will. You know, we felt and I had to listen to the to show to see how much we actually talked about. But we felt that that was going to be, you know, uh, very, very bad at the time. That was before the, the U.S. economy started to shut down. Um, and then I think it was that later that week or the next week, the U.S. economy started to shut down. Um, And what we've seen since then is a lot of people out there giving false hope, false optimism, uh, and and just kind of trying to paint a rosemary picture while we know people who are getting laid off, companies who are shutting down their budgets. Um, And so I think there is a time to sit around and say, hey, you know, let's uh, pull yourself up by your bootstrap and let's keep on going. I think there's a time for that. There's also a time to, to to try to be as real about as how you think things are. And for the past few weeks, things have been bad. And when we didn't want to come on the show and act like things are good, does it mean you can keep it, find a job? Sure. You can find a job. Does it mean you can keep making money? Sure. Companies will make it. Companies won't. That's how it always goes. Whether the times are good or the times are bad, but we, we try to, there's certain things on the show we can't say we have clients that we work for and things like that. So we can't obviously give our full opinion on everything, but when we can, we try to be as, as honest and, um, you know, put the show out there in the right direction. So to the listener's point, the reason we're complaining and whining is because a lot of our listeners are hurting. Um, and so this is your third week of listening or second week of listening. Well, we've been doing this for you know 150 episodes now. Uh, and we try to give it like we see it, which is, Sometimes it's light and it's fun. And then we kind of go on about our business and sometimes it's that's well, down, but not that big of a deal, but sometimes it's down and it's bad. And so um, I read a lot of oil and gas articles from people who don't have never worked in the industry and have no real connection to the industry other than covering it. And they don't take into consideration the pain or the, or the joy that goes along with working in this industry, just like I wouldn't for pharmaceuticals. So we try to take that responsibility wisely and we tried our best and it went, it we're perfect now. Um, but we want to be consistent in what we believe until we change our mind, which that's happened. Um, and we also want to be responsible and not come out here and be like, "Man, oil's going to be back. Trump's going to save the economy." Da da da, da, da. And then in three weeks, everyone's lost their dang job, and you're going, "Well, wait. Three weeks ago, you said this was going to happen." No, we're not optimistic right now because there's no path to get the price back up. Are there things? Yes, we cover them in the roundup. That are good stories and bad stories, and you know, we're, but we're trying to give you the best information that we think is relevant uh, on a weekly basis. And there are a bazillion stories out there. So that's why we cover the show the way we do. That's why we have not been, you know, putting out the, and if you kind of go back to my LinkedIn, I actually kind of slowed down the LinkedIn post for about a week or two, because I, again, I saw a lot of people out there like, Hey, we're going to make it. And, and I get that people want to the hope they want the, um, they want the, the feeling of everything to be okay. Um, but we, we have our listeners, and we we really love our listeners. We love our listeners. We respect them. Uh, we respect their intelligence, and we respect their commitment to the show. And so, for us to come out and send a false message is uh, is something that we don't want to do. And so, anyways, so for the listener who's new, we do appreciate you listening. It, uh, he he probably he or she probably did not know it's a five star uh, minimum requirement. So go ahead and get that fixed, and then you can. <laughs> I mean, I probably didn't know that, right? <laughs> probably didn't realize it's a five star rating requirement. So, anyways, get that five star rating requirement and it is roast month it's roast month until June was nate july 15th uh july 15th yeah tax day yeah yeah so koi dean texas you can come back and you can nuke us with a five star review if you drop it down to a one star though we, we're just not going to read it we're going to ignore it so five stars and you can just nuke us there you go um we do appreciate you tuning in and we hope this episode was better for you and for listeners let us know over the next few months the content's going to be different than it was before what is it you want to hear do you want to hear us rant and rave about the railroad commission or or whatever it is, uh, send us an email, get some LinkedIn, let us know. We do appreciate you guys. We really do. Um, we've, our audience has grown so much since Josh and I started this, uh, despite Nate and Stephanie coming on. So it's really been, it's really been a good, good to see. And so we will talk to you next time until then. Keep-